Do you like history? Do you like revolutionaries? Do you like period films that feel intensely contemporary? If so, then maybe, just maybe... You'll like the 2021 drama film Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm Aaron Potter. And I'm Andy Potter. And you're listening to AP Approved. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of our uh, Fantabulous podcast, where we talk about movies and all kinds of fun stuff, mostly movies. Uh, We have another excellent movie that we're going to talk about with you this week, which is, as Andy mentioned, Judas and the Black Messiah, a brand new film that just came out this February uh, that talks about uh, a true historical story, and it's a pretty historically accurate portrayal from everything I've read. Uh, about the assassination of Black Panther Party Chairman Fred Hampton by the FBI back in the 60s. Just a disclaimer, I suppose, at the beginning, probably if you're listening to this, you're aware of this already, Um, but Andy and I are both white, um, so we may not be the most qualified people to talk about this story, uh, but I think it's really important for people like us to see this kind of story and take them seriously and think deeply about them, and, you know, hopefully we can spread it to other people like us who like us didn't know a lot about the Black Panthers and Fred Hampton and some of this ugly stuff in our uh, country's past and present. So I think, you know, in our small way, we're doing a service for justice here. Uh, Not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but doing what we can. And I think it is a really good film, a really worthwhile film and one that uh, we can all learn a little something from. Yeah, essentially, we don't want to step on anybody's toes. We don't want to presume that we know things that we don't. Mm -hmm. But we do want to share the story. We we want to talk about this movie because we learned a lot from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we said, it's a real historical story, uh, and it does seem to be quite accurate. But we didn't. I had never heard the story before. I read mm-hmm. just a tiny bit about it before we went and saw the movie. Um, but yeah, it's quite based in history, so that makes it that much more um, hard hitting. I think. Do you want to give us the stats? Sure. Yeah, we forgot to do these till a little later last time. So we always talk about the Rotten Tomatoes score, and this one has a very high one. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah currently has a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes for both critics and audiences, which is pretty impressive. They knocked it out of the park. Mm -hmm. That's a really good score across the board. Everybody basically loves this film, so that's that's really, really good. Uh, And this is the critics' consensus on Rotten Tomatoes. It says, an electrifying dramatization of historical events judas and the black messiah is a forceful condemnation of racial injustice and a major triumph for its director and stars so quite high accolades there um we mentioned the golden globes last week and how promising young woman is nominated for several uh judas and the black messiah not nominated for as many as i think it should be uh it's nominated for two golden globes it's nominated for uh daniel kaluuya who is plays fred hampton he's nominated for best supporting actor and it's nominated for uh, Best Original Song for one of the background music tracks. Uh, and both well-deserving, although I would argue that the main character, um, Bill O'Neill, played by Lakeith Stanfield, 100% deserves some nominations here. Yeah. So hopefully when the Oscars roll around, this is the Golden Globes, not the Oscars we're talking about, and the Oscars are a little more uh, high prestige. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really hoping this movie gets a little more notice at the Oscars, and particularly 
uh, Lakeith Stanfield, because I think he just hit it out of the park with an incredible performance and really deserves some notice there. A lot of good performances yeah, in this movie. Yeah, across the board. We had sort of an interesting uh, experience watching this movie because uh, this was our um, Valentine's date. So romantic. Yeah, so romantic. We we looked at the movies available and um, we, we considered going to see the Tom Hanks movie, News of the World, and probably would have enjoyed that, but... We were really interested in this one. It's, it seemed um, interesting. It seemed like we would learn a lot from it. And, and so, we did. And we did. And so this was our, our uh, Valentine's Date movie. And it's just kind of, that's the kind of thing we like to do yep. <laughs> on our <Yeah>. dates. <laughs> Find yourself a girl who will uh, go see socially conscious period dramas with you. <laughs> and a guy who will go see a movie like Promising Young Woman with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say, you know, not entirely inapt to go see this movie on Valentine's Day. There was a very sweet love story mm-hmm. in the heart of this movie. Uh, as That's we true. mentioned, Daniel Kaluuya uh, plays Fred Hampton. Uh, you may know him from movies like Black Panther. He was the guy with the rhinos, yep. which was pretty cool. Was and good. he was also the star in the movie Get Out. But his character has a romance with uh, the actress Dominique Fishback's character, Deborah Johnson. She was also tremendous. Did a really good job. Um and part of the story is that she's pregnant uh, at the time he's killed, and uh, she's actually still alive. The historical Deborah is still alive, and their son, uh, Fred Hampton Jr., is also still alive today. And apparently they consulted on the film with the director, Shaka King, and it's as a result of that very historically accurate because they used these people who have the direct family connection there mm-hmm. to help tell the story, which is really cool. And who were there. Yeah. And one of these people was actually there, uh, this mm-hmm. Deborah character. Mm-hmm which is crazy. And just a shout out to the director, Shaka King, uh, director, writer, producer, all around artiste here. And he's brand new. Like, not that he's brand new to film, but he hasn't, he's not a known name. He's done a few things on TV with some writing and directing. Uh, but this is his first, like, real big project. I think when I first began reading about the movie, he didn't even have a Wikipedia page yet because he wasn't considered a big enough deal. And now he has one, which is a nice accomplishment for him. So he's a brand new voice, and he really hits it out of the park with this first film. I think we just uh, salute to all the young new directors out there because yeah. uh, he's amazing. Shaka King is, and Emerald Fennell, who wrote and directed Promising Young Woman. She's a bit more of an established Hollywood person, but she's new to directing and writing uh, a full feature film anyways. so And that was also a Promising Young Woman's knocking it out of the park too so salute to both of them that's very impressive it's very exciting to discover um new people like this and uh people like them and i think also like bo burnham mm-hmm. um, who are young and up and coming and like we we love their stuff that they've already got out and i think it's hoped that we will get a lot of great stuff from them in the future mm-hmm. the actors too all very young because yeah. they were very young in real life um, Fred Hampton was only 22 when 21. he was 21 mm-hmm. when he was assassinated. So very young. He's a little, the actor's a little older and like Lakeith Stanfield is only 29 now who plays the main character, Bill. Um, so yeah, it's a young group of actors, but they did a really good job. Like really, really good. Yeah. Very impressive young people across the board doing amazing things. So we've hinted at a little bit of what the movie's about, but do you want to give us kind of a brief summary of what happens in the movie, Andy? Yeah. So the, the name Judas and the Black Messiah obviously hints at the story in the Gospels of the way Judas betrayed Jesus Christ. And it's really kind of incredible how much this true story does parallel that story in the Gospels because um, the 
the one of the main characters, really the character we follow throughout the film, is a guy named William O'Neill. And he is caught in a crime um, early on, and the FBI, instead of putting him in jail, offers him an out, um, only if he will agree to spy on the Black Panthers for them. And he agrees, because he doesn't want to go to jail. So you, you follow um, Bill O'Neill and also this FBI agent, Roy Mitchell, as they are trying to get information on the Black Panther Party, and specifically Fred Hampton, who is the deputy chairman of the Black Panther Party in mm-hmm. um, Illinois. Yeah, he's the leader of the party in Chicago, mm-hmm. and he's like the deputy of the National Party. And essentially, he's a revolutionary. He's very popular. He speaks in a lot of places. He's got some pretty radical ideas. And the federal government is very threatened by the Black Panther Party and by Fred Hampton specifically. And so they are looking for ways to take him out. And so Bill O'Neill infiltrates the Black Panther Party. He befriends Fred and a lot of the Panthers in Chicago and... He gets deeper and deeper into this group, and essentially it's it's sort of about how how deep his betrayal goes and how it sort of seems like he struggles a lot with how um, how much he believes in what the party stands for, slash how much he wants to preserve himself and still work for the FBI, and whether or not he will betray them in the end, which if you know your history, you know that Fred Hampton was eventually... Uh, basically assassinated by the FBI mm-hmm. um, as a result, in part, of Bill O'Neill's actions. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is at the end, you get um, a little bit of footage, which they reenact some of it, but you get a little bit of real footage of a documentary in which Bill O'Neill appeared and talked about what he did. And so it all just makes it feel so real and so present um, because it was real. <laughs> it did it's, happen. Yeah, it's cool because the movie is bookended by this footage. So at the very beginning, the first thing you see is what looks like an old 80s documentary footage of Lakeith Stanfield, the actor who plays Bill O'Neill, being asked these questions. Uh, and he's asked, like, uh, uh, thinking back on what you did back then, uh, what would you want to, t- want to tell your son about what you did? And then we don't really, we see him kind of look nervous and anxious, and then we cut to the beginning of the story. And then at the end, we get the actual footage of that interview, of the real Bill O'Neill, the historical Bill O'Neill, not the actor. And we get to hear him answer that question, and he basically says something like, well, I'm just proud that I, like, stood up and did something, and I didn't just sit at home and not do anything. And it seems like he's, because the, what the title cards at the end of the movie tell us is that Bill O'Neill remained in the Black Panther Party for years and continued to spy on them for the for the FBI. Even after Fred Hampton's death. Mm-hmm. So he seems to have continued that betrayal for many years after and the party members weren't really aware. And then what's so fascinating, well, I don't think we'll give it away, but it kind of talks about what happens to the real life Bill O'Neill kind of as a result of of doing this and how his guilty conscience kind of goes to his grave with him. So I, I don't mm-hmm. think we'll say that. We'll leave that for you. Uh, if you want to go see this movie, which I highly encourage. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So there's probably going to be some spoilers to this movie, but then again, the spoilers are all in the history books Mm -hmm. also. You know, and it's kind of like, uh, I always think a good tragedy, and this is a good tragedy. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't really spoil a good tragedy because you know it's going to go wrong in the end. Right. And it's not about knowing, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not like a mystery or something like that. It's not about knowing the end. It's about the intensity of getting there. 
Yeah. Right. It's it's the ride to get there, and you know, no matter how many times you read King Lear or Hamlet or Oedipus Rex or something like that, it's always an emotional journey because you know what's going to happen. It's kind of fated to happen, and you know Fred Hampton's going to end up dead at the end of this movie, but the ride of getting there and seeing how all the characters get there is still fascinating and interesting and emotional, regardless of knowing the end. The most intense thing for me was, is uh, Deborah going to survive? Yeah. Like that was the, cause I knew Fred was going to die, but when it's building up to the end, I was like, and you get to really like the character of Deborah and she's pregnant with their child. And I was so terrible. I was freaking out towards the end as the FBI are raiding their apartment and they're just shoot bullets are flying everywhere. And I was just like freaking out like, oh, I hope she and the baby make it out. And I didn't know. I had no idea what happened with them. Uh, and they do survive because, as we already mentioned, they're still alive today. And they consulted on the film and things like that, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what really got me going because I knew that was sort of fated to happen to Fred. But I just didn't know mm-hmm. uh, about them. And I'm very glad they made it out. It's like the one little silver lining sort of at the end there. Yeah. The one thing, there's a, a good storyline with Deborah and how she gets into the Black Panther Party, how uh, she and Fred grow closer and um, just sort of the shared ideals that they have. Um, but then once she gets pregnant, she also questions a lot of things and she questions whether it's right to have all of them be willing to give up their entire lives for this cause and whether she's okay with Fred being willing to die for mm-hmm. his cause because if he does then her child their child is fatherless mm-hmm. and if they both die then their child would be an orphan and so she she struggles with that a lot yeah the, the movie is very nuanced in that regard because one thing Fred is says the number of times is that his body belongs to the people and if he dies then it serves the cause then that's that's how he wants to go out he's not going to go out sick and in bed he's going to go out fighting for the people mm-hmm as one of kind of the mantras he repeats a number of times. And that's an inspiring statement and a noble statement, but at the same time, a troubling one. And the movie does a good job of, you know, the Black Panthers are an extremely complicated organization, right? It's, they're not simply good guys or simply bad guys. And it does a good job of largely showing them as good guys and very inspiring and noble and fighting for justice and things like that and fighting for downtrodden people. But at the same time, like, what is the cost of this violence and revolution? And is it worth it? And is it right when you're a father, when you're you're a husband, um, when you have family and friends, and there's a lot of you know, it doesn't really glamorize the Panthers because most of them end up dead. Yeah, like not just Fred, but a number of them we see killed by police. So it's it's complicated. I don't think it it doesn't downplay the violence mm-hmm. of that group or of other people mm-hmm. um, in that story. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't downplay sort of what they're willing to do. Uh, to serve their cause. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does, I think, bring some sympathy into the mix of that. Uh, we have empathy for these characters because we get to know them and we know why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it just it is a really, really difficult situation. And mm-hmm. it is shortly after Dr. King died. Mm-hmm. And, and Malcolm X is Malcolm dead. X, and they're just trying to hold it together. And mm-hmm. they're still trying to fight for civil rights. And it's just a very, very tumultuous year and a really difficult time. Which was it is what makes it feel so timely, mm-hmm. right? As we said in the opening, like it feels intensely contemporary. Like none of it feels outdated. Right. Because um, it happened in the 60s, but it sure feels like it could have happened this year. I mean, with our own level of racial uh, unrest and injustice going on right now, uh, and with all the police shootings we're hearing about, we both said that 
the final scene where the FBI are breaking into Fred's apartment uh, and just kind of shooting up indiscriminately, like the first thing Andy and I both thought of was Breonna Taylor. Mm-hmm. Because um, they do. They just they know which one is Fred's apartment and they've scoped it out ahead of time and they just burst in in the middle of the night. There are tons of people staying in that apartment mm-hmm. um, and they just open fire, eventually kill Fred Hampton. Mm-hmm. injure um a bunch of other people kill one other one person, other person yep. and they don't you know that's inconsequential as long as they get fred mm-hmm. and what's so heartbreaking about it is like they don't need to kill fred right because fred is actually going to jail the next day that's right he was uh he's been he was in jail for a little bit earlier in the movie uh, and he got out and then he was appealing his case and now he's being sent back and the fbi the the fbi agent we get to know roy mitchell he even kind of like says like hey we did it like, we got him. We got him in jail. We got him in jail. That's fine. all we wanted to do, right? And Jagger Hoover tells him, no, no, no. Like, that's not enough. Like, uh, being in jail can make you a celebrity, can make you a martyr, can allow you to write a book and become famous and all these things. Like, Fred Hampton can still become this black messiah that we're afraid of him becoming from jail. Mm-hmm. We need to do something more permanent than that. We need to kill him. And then we see the trauma. We see the shock of that on Roy Mitchell's face. Again, I love the nuance of this movie. Like... Roy Mitchell is not a good guy at all. He's surprisingly okay with a lot of things. But he's also uncomfortable with a number of things the FBI asked him to do. Now, the important thing is he doesn't ever stand up and say, no, that's wrong, and I'm not going to do that. No. But there's a number of times where he's like, oh, so we're just murdering people, like, illegally? I guess that's what we're doing. Okay. And, like, he's clearly very uncomfortable with that a couple of different times, and he doesn't seem too comfortable when he tells Bill what he needs to do either, but... He does it. So, yeah, there's some very interesting, even that character is not simply some kind of racist caricature or something like that. And he talks about, like, oh, I, I've i investigated, like, lynching cases, and, you know, that's wrong, and I want civil rights as much as anybody, and I'm opposed to the Klan and all these things like that. But he, what he keeps telling Bill is that the Black Panthers are no better than the Klan. They're just the opposite extreme mm-hmm. of the spectrum. And, again, the Black Panthers are complicated, but I don't think that's a fair estimation. I don't think they're the same as the Klan. They're not a hate group. Right. They are violent. Yes. And that's not good. And it's complicated and messy and political and tense. But at least the people we see in the movie are they are trying to make the world a better place. And like one thing that's really emphasized in the movie is like the Black Panthers aren't just like walking around with guns. though They're doing that, too. Um, They are like serving the community and they are providing food and education to the kids in the community. Uh, And they're actively working to build this rainbow coalition and bring all these different groups together, which was is one of the most inspiring parts of the movie. That was a really impressive thing um, that I didn't know about, that um, Fred Hampton helped to orchestrate the Rainbow Coalition. It was a sort of unifying force of a bunch of different gangs. Yeah, some of them know. are gangs. I guess some of them are gangs. But they all have kind of political affiliations. Yeah, they're different. There's what the... Um, the young lords who are Puerto Rican. Yep. They're basically like the Black Panthers, but yep. for Puerto Ricans Puerto in Chicago. Rican. There's the Crowns, which is another sort of local group. Mm-hmm. And there's... They're a black gang, but they are definitely political. Like they talk about with pride how they def- guarded Martin Luther King Jr. when mm-hmm. he came to Chicago and things like that. Yep. And then surprisingly, most surprisingly of all, I think, is the Young Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great scene where uh, Fred Hampton and a few of his supporters come into a meeting of a bunch of white lower class 
young, mostly men, mm-hmm. uh, and they're flying a big old Confederate flag in the in their room that they're meeting in, and probably the last people they expected to see were the Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it probably took longer than this. It oh, wasn't yeah. this easy. But... And that's obviously one, not really flaw, it's just an impossibility yeah. of the movie, like, that they've got those people on their side so fast. Right. But Fred makes a speech about how they're all oppressed, mm-hmm. and they're all poor, and they all... Um, are in need of things that they aren't getting mm-hmm. and they should work together uh, to improve both of their positions. Mm-hmm. Although I was reading, so it's interesting, the young patriots, this group that they go to that are flying the Confederate flag, seem like the polar opposite of them, but apparently that organization was kind of a liberal-leaning okay. organization that was kind of leaning towards socialism, much like the Black Panthers were, and mm-hmm. kind of opposed to like capitalism and upper-class domination and things like that so in their doctrine they are actually not that different from the black panthers but Mm -hmm. they're kind of specifically for like white lower class people Mm -hmm. with some strong connections to like the south and appalachia and stuff like that so yeah definitely not a cozy group together with the black panthers but it really historically this is true they banded together with the black panthers to form this rainbow coalition to kind of fight for the rights of all oppressed people which is awesome Yep. And as I was I was thinking about this, I was just wondering, like, you know, how how easy would that be to do today? Mm-hmm. And would it be easier or would it be harder? Are we like more divided today than we were then or not? Yeah, it's a good it's, question. It's a hard. It's a hard question. And, you know, I, yeah, yeah, it just depends. I think probably in some ways we're less divided and in some ways more. Mm-hmm. Right. I think the explicit racial tension is maybe somewhat less than it used to be. But the political division may be more, I don't know. Yeah, it probably fairly similar, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, it's hard. But again, that's why it feels so legitly contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel old. It doesn't feel outdated. It doesn't feel like a historical piece. It feels like it could happen right now. Yeah. And I thought another really important thing about this movie is just the fact that you learn so much about the Black Panther Party and... I'm sure I I know I learned about the Black Panther Party in school a little bit. I know it was mentioned. I know I learned that they were a group of people, uh, mostly starting in California, mm-hmm. who in Oakland. Yep, who fought for civil rights. And then I don't really know else, anything else except for I have a vague idea that they were maybe a little too violent. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, they're always like contrasted with. MLK. Yeah. Like MLK yeah. did it right. And the Black Malcolm Panthers. Eh. Black Panthers and Malcolm X, not so fond of them. Mm-hmm. A little too radical, you know, though we can understand where they're coming from. But yeah, maybe not quite right. And yeah, that's very much the view I had of them too. I know I've never heard the name Fred Hampton before mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's a shame. Yeah, I think it's an important story to be aware of. Mm hmm. And you mentioned empathy earlier. I think that's exactly it, right? And again, I don't necessarily agree with everything the Black Panthers say. No. Um, They are very much kind of um, strongly socialist, leaning into the idea of revolution. They really view the conflict between the races as an actual war. They talk about being in a war zone, being at war with the pigs, by which they mean the police. Yep. Stuff like that. And it's violent and it's radical and it's brutal. We definitely don't, you know... Yeah, don't condone shooting your way into anything. Mm -hmm. And I absolutely agree. Like, yeah, I mean, Martin Luther King was right to go about it the way he did. But it's important to remember that while going about it the way he did, he was murdered. Mm -hmm. Um, And he wasn't murdered by the government the way Fred Hampton was murdered by the government. But 
the FBI were absolutely keeping tabs on MLK and were threatened by him in much the same way they were threatened by Fred Hampton. And, you know, there that governmental bias existed against MLK, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, I can this movie really helps me understand why someone would get into the mindset of a Fred Hampton or a Malcolm X or something like that. And as you mentioned, empathy earlier, like, you know, one of my favorite quotes about movies, uh, Roger Ebert said, movies are empathy machines mm-hmm. and they teach us to understand people. And it's like, well, you know, I can't say I don't understand why they would feel that way. I, you know, I don't think it's the best way to go about it. But from my privileged position as a white man who's well off, like it's easy for me to say, well, we shouldn't tear down the institution for someone who the institution has never helped and only hurt. It's quite understandable why they would want to kind of tear down the institution. Mm-hmm. And for someone who has to live in, for people who have to live in fear of police violence all the time, it's understandable that they would feel that they are at war with the pigs mm-hmm. um, and this kind of brutal system. So, yeah, I think the movie does a good job of making you feel compassionate towards them and understand them even if you... And I don't even think the movie wants you to totally agree with them because it ends badly for them. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's like their fault necessarily, but it's not, you know, not necessarily the answer, especially some of the other, some of the members of the party that we see in the movie get killed even besides Fred because they get into unnecessary violent encounters with police and it always ends badly for them. Like, I don't think the movie's necessarily agreeing with how they're going about things, but just showing us that this is what happened and they had a point and we weren't listening and we we let things go too far against them too. Mm-hmm. And sort of like uh, the last movie we reviewed, uh, this movie also maybe was lacking uh, the nuance of uh, showing people that exist that um, are not, you know, that are police and that are good people or that are white people who fight for civil rights. Mm-hmm. But then again, maybe we don't need to defend those people. Mm-hmm. And maybe this shows the world through the Black Panther's eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, shows what they went through. Mm-hmm. The way they saw the world, which is a, is a pretty a pretty dark view mm-hmm. of the world. But that was their experience. Mm-hmm. And like, I absolutely value the lives of cops and know that there's very good cops out there. My dad's a cop. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was for many and years. And he's, and he's a very good Christian man who cares a lot about justice and goodness and and is horrified by the police violence in our country and things like that. Um, so absolutely, there's good cops out there and people who are doing it for the right reasons, but also there's people who aren't. And there's way too much violence still today against people simply because of their skin color. Um, yeah, and I think much more important than, you know, defending the good cops, which we should, of course, do, but just being aware of the very real and very deadly, even to this day, problem. Um, and, and exposing that view is of paramount importance. Mm-hmm. And back to that idea of the empathy machine, I think it's really amazing what this movie does and how it also gives you empathy for William O'Neill. Because mm-hmm. you follow him the whole way. And the whole time you're like, don't do it, Bill. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, And you can see how he struggles with he what he's doing and what he is is supposed to do and there's a few times that he balks at the orders he's given and doesn't mm-hmm. want to do it um but his sense of self-preservation always wins mm-hmm. and even up to the end there's this really amazing scene where uh it's the night before fred's supposed to go back to jail and they're all in his apartment 
they're having dinner together they're drinking and they're literally in the upper yeah, room they're in on the, the upper night room. before you know the black messiah's death yep uh bill is is charged by the fbi to put something in uh friend to drink that will just make it easier for them to get him mm-hmm. and he doesn't want to do it and you keep wondering the whole time whether he will or not and he's crying and shaking but he does he goes and he finds fred and he offers him a drink and then he leaves the apartment and that is you know the upper room scene mm-hmm. and we can all you know if we know the gospel story those of us who do you can see the parallels it's clear as day mm-hmm and um, my one of my favorite um, lines in the whole movie is uh, there's a point where uh, Bill's FBI handler is talking to him and he was kind of watching Bill at a rally. Uh, he was there in disguise pretending to be a white member of the Rainbow Coalition and um, watching Bill to kind of keep tabs on him. Mm-hmm. And when he talks to Bill, he's like, I was watching you at that rally and I was thinking the whole time, either this guy deserves an Academy Award or uh, he really believes the stuff that Fred Hampton is saying. And Bill's like, I, no, I don't, I don't just, I'm just, you know, playing along, you know. I'm doing my job. I'm doing my job. Just doing my job. And he gets really nervous. But, like, I love that line because I 100% agree. Lakeith Stanfield deserves an Academy Award. He does. Like, it's such a good portrayal. Like, he, I don't know what he, I don't know how he does it. But, like, the whole time he's so anxious and twitchy and his eyes are so big. And it just, like, he just radiates guilt the entire mm-hmm. movie. But he's also good at laughing things off. Mm-hmm. He gets into a mode sometimes when he's accused of something where he just laughs it off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, you guys. Yeah, I mean, he's success. he is so guilty the entire time, and yet he also successfully maintains his cover the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's such a good portrayal, and yeah, it deserves some kind of nomination at least. Uh, 100% at the Oscars this year. And I was just saw it. Uh, article that was saying like Stanfield said he needed therapy after doing this role because it was just such an intense emotional ride and he got so into the character and stuff like that I'm like yeah I believe that watching that film like that would be intense Mm -hmm. and again going to the whole nuance thing it's not like the black guys are the good guys and the white guys are the bad guys like no the main bad guy in this movie is black is a member Mm -hmm. of the black panther party who continues to be a member of the party and probably does believe a lot of what the party's saying Yet, at the end of the day, he lets money and fear of going to jail guide him rather than his ideals. Uh, and he betrays this man who's genuinely become his friend. Mm-hmm. And like I, I love it that throughout the movie we can see him kind of going above and beyond the call of duty in terms of playing his character. Like He doesn't do the bare minimum. He becomes very involved and like works hard to rebuild their headquarters after they're bombed and stuff like that. You could mm-hmm. say he's just playing his role. But it really does seem like he's buying into he's you know he's drinking the Kool Aid he's participating mm-hmm. he really does believe it he really is becoming Fred's friend and a a true believer in the cause and yet he still mm-hmm. betrays Fred in the end and then he takes he takes plenty of payment for it too mm-hmm. he gets his thirty pieces of silver mm-hmm. he gets his gas station yep gets his car yep oh there's some great um it's just great filming and great music there's this. The number of times where there's kind of this eerie, dissonant music that really kind of gets you into the head of Bill and, like, how uncomfortable he is. And there's a great moment where at the beginning he's impersonating an FBI officer. That's how come the FBI gets involved when he's arrested at the beginning. He was just trying to boost a car, but he was faking, pretending to be an FBI agent, too. uh, Because, as he says, when 
Agent Mitchell asks him why I pretend to be a FBI agent. He says, well, the badge is scarier than the gun. Mm-hmm. He says, I could use a gun to threaten people and steal their car, but a badge is scarier, which speaks to like the power of authority over oppressed people and things like that. Um, and is a really good way to start off this movie, which is all about how the FBI and the government has so much power over these people and is able to utterly destroy them. Um, but then there's a moment later where he's like given back that badge he used at the beginning as kind of like a threat to remind him that the FBI is watching him and has dirt on him and stuff like that. Uh, and just the music cue when he like just finds out this is what he's been handed is this fake badge he was using earlier and there's just like, bah, the music comes on and it's this really interesting dissonant music. I just love that. Mm-hmm. Such interesting creative choices there. So what do you think? Are there any flaws to this movie? Very few. I mean, again, it has to elide the timeline, as we mentioned, like the right. the speed with which Fred is able to get everybody on his side in the Rainbow Coalition is very unrealistic, of course, but it's necessary for the story because that's not it's not what the movie is really about. The movie is about Bill and Fred's relationship and everything. Uh, so there's not. Yeah, there's not time for that. And as we mentioned before, it would be nice to see, you know, some more white people involved or whatever. But this is not about them or about us. This is about Fred and Bill and Deborah. Um, so it's focusing on them. So, yeah, kind of like last week, it's pretty intensely focused on what it wanted to talk about and what its message is. And there's maybe some realistic details and some broader perspectives and complexities that are left out. But it still manages to be very complex and and powerful within the story it's telling and it doesn't have time to get into everything so it does a really good job of telling what it intends to tell clearly the critics on rotten tomatoes Mm -hmm. agree yep i haven't really heard anything negative about this movie Uh, and i've heard lots of good about how it like avoids typical cliches when talking about the civil rights movement and it shows the complexity and yeah just really really good really good the things you may want to know about it are that there is a lot of violence shown, mm-hmm. a lot of shooting, blood, uh, tons and tons of swearing. Yep. Um, but I think it's in a way that is not different from how it probably really was. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably it probably is a good portrayal of what really happened, how they really were. Mm-hmm. But if you aren't interested in seeing that kind of thing, uh, that's something to know about mm-hmm. the movie. Yep. One other thing that's interesting is I'd love to see the movie with subtitles. Oh, yeah. Because the, especially uh, I thought Daniel Kaluuya uh, as Fred Hampton, he's got this very powerful gift of oratory and he gives all these excellent speeches, but his accent is thick enough. His, uh, you know, African-American, I I don't know exactly what kind of accent I would say. Might be combined with, uh, yeah, just a couple different Mm -hmm. things. His accent is strong enough that I couldn't always follow everything he was saying. And they use a lot of slang And they use a lot of slang, yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've picked up enough to never really be lost in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a couple times where I'm like, oh, I didn't quite catch all that. No, I didn't quite get all that. And I'd love to see this with subtitles so I could catch more of it. And I was kind of like, it occurred to me watching the movie that this maybe this movie isn't for me. Right. And maybe that's okay because most movies are for me as a white yeah. man. Uh, maybe that's okay. But also, you know, it's good for me to see it even if it's not maybe targeted towards me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most movies are. And you know, I'm sure there's probably cases where, you know, black person goes and watches a white movie and is a little lost at some of the heavily white cultural things that I take for granted as normal uh, and are 
find perfectly easy to follow that maybe someone from a different cultural subgroup wouldn't find as easy to follow. So mm -hmm. I think that's perfectly all right. But I, I definitely want to see it again at home maybe and watch it with subtitles. Yeah, that would be good. So what do you think, Andy? Does this get our AP stamp of approval? Yeah, for sure. I think in uh, a lot of ways, this is a almost flawless movie. Mm -hmm. And we learned a lot from it. It's a really important movie for everyone to see. And I think Judas and the Black Messiah is AP, AP approved. So thanks everybody for listening, for joining us in this important conversation. So there's a great line in the movie where Fred, again, he's this great speech maker and you'll just have to watch the movie if you haven't because he gives all these wonderful, impressive, stirring speeches. But the one of the most stirring scenes is where he's got a whole crowd chanting and he shouts out, I am a revolutionary. And they all repeat. And after they all him. repeat after him. And there's this kind of, you know, very much kind of the Southern Baptist preacher mode, uh, much as Martin Luther King would do in his speeches. Um, and I cannot at all claim to be a revolutionary like Fred Hampton, uh, but uh, I would hope that we all try to uh, cause a revolution of love and empathy and justice, and I think this movie can help us do that in small ways. Thank you for listening, and please tune in next time for another great episode about uh, fun pop culture stuff and what we loved about it.